Welcome to the Taking the Leap podcast, where you can learn how to launch your full-time career in this part-time gig economy. No matter what career you're in, you have the potential to be the best version of you and overcome whatever obstacles stand in your way. And now, here's your host, the CEO of Bonvera, Bob Dickey. Welcome back, guys. We are coming to you from Wichita, Kansas. This has been a crazy day. I literally started the day at 4 a.m. in the morning, driving down to Atlanta, Georgia, hanging out with my YPO forum, drove back to Knoxville, Tennessee, caught a flight all the way out here to Wichita, Kansas. going to be spending a couple of days here in the local area with some friends, and we've got an event this weekend. And my good friend Cody Newton is about ready to catch a plane tomorrow morning and fly to Michigan. And we are figuring out a way at about 1130 at night (laughs) to have a conversation. We're like, you are not leaving Wichita without us recording this podcast interview. It's been one I've been wanting to get on the books with you for quite some time. So thank you for taking some time and uh, spending a little bit of time with us. For those of you who are listening and don't know who Cody is, let me give you a brief introduction. So not only is Cody a good friend of mine. Uh, a serial entrepreneur, having been either a part owner or full owner of over 20 different companies in his career. He's also co-owner and co-founder of Bonvera Company, which I am currently uh, working with and leading. And it's my uh, pride and joy to be able to link arms with Cody and serve alongside of him. Uh, I have absolutely really enjoyed i think cody's spending not only spending time with you and seeing how you think and how you process but just becoming friends with you and getting to know a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey you know there's a couple of things that i want to tease out through this interview you did something that was really i think unique in the fact that it is now kind of in vogue for young people to not go to college Mm. and you know peter Thiel. Uh, had that famous competition where he told people who were in college and say, Hey, if you want to start a business, I'll seed you a hundred thousand dollars. If you drop out of college and I'll help you start your business. It's now become in, in vogue for people to do this. Here you are about like what, 20, 25 years ago, you go to Kansas state, yes. you spend wildcats, you spend three weeks on campus, three tough weeks, Bob, three tough weeks, three tough weeks. And you said, uh, hold my beer. Watch this. <laughs> I did. I, I, I quit. Right. And then you, and you go out and you start your entrepreneurial journey. And in that journey has been really amazing. You've been a successful entrepreneur. You've had, as we just stated, been involved in 20 plus different businesses from construction to ice cream, to internet retail, to direct sales, what, did, did you have some type of different mentoring or what, what caused you at that young age to say, you know what, I think I can do better on my own? Yeah, it's, it was crazy. Um, and I appreciate it. And we're glad to have you here in Kansas, Bob. This is going to be a, it's going to be fun to have you here with some of our team that's around here. You know, I, I don't know what it was. I think, I think at an early age, I started realizing um, that I had bigger things I want to accomplish than just what I could get from a traditional nine to five. Not that there's mm. anything wrong with the nine to five. Right. I just felt my butt felt like it was always burning mm-hmm. and I wanted to do more. And so I, I went to college for three weeks and it was the three toughest, tell me it was the three <laughs> toughest weeks of my life. And I took two How classes. How much studying did you get done really well, in three here's weeks? why I quit. I really quit because I studied, I took speech and economics. I was going to okay. get business because I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Yep. My dad told me since I was a kid, Newtons don't work for anybody. You want to be your own boss. I was going to be my own boss. And I, I started my first entrepreneurship when I was 14, cutting wood, having a John Deere 4020 tractor, a 1977 Ford F-250. And so going into, I went to college just because all my friends did. And I thought I'll take business. And my first microeconomics class, I studied for six hours, mm-hmm. six hours, which I had never studied for six hours ever. And I got a 24%. For a quiz or a for test? For our test, our okay. first test. And my teacher sat me down the next day and said, you're never going to make it up because you flunked the quiz. Now you flunked our first big test. And I thought, I studied for six hours, and uh, this probably just isn't for me. And so I ended up flunking my speech class, too, because my speech teacher said, you're one of the worst speakers we've ever had come through here. That, that is so funny because... 
you're probably one of the best public speakers that I know. And that, 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 that's not just hyperbole and just being nice, but you are very polished, very accomplished public speaker who gets asked to speak on large stages all over the country. So how did you go from flunking speech to being best in class? Yeah, I don't know if I'd consider myself best in class. Yeah, I, well, I do. So I'm a, you know, I'm an outsider, so I can say that about you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. But I, I don't know if I'm best in class today. You know, I think today, I think I used to speak and I tried to be a real formal speaker. I think when they brought me in there, they had certain things that they wanted to me, be, me speak a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the way I run. That's not the way I, I can't format things that way. And so I think today, really what I try to do is I just, I try to, I try to speak with my heart and I try to just say things that, um, try to add value to people and, Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't say I'm a traditional, a great speaker today. I just say that if somebody's going to give me a topic that I care about and I'm passionate about, everybody will probably know I'm passionate about. Well, that is certainly something that I think that. I feel when you're on stage, when you're delivering a talk, you can tell that it is something that you're passionate about and that it just, it, it comes off very natural as opposed to something that's very, I think maybe forced or contrived. So I think that I, I like the fact that you, you tap into your heart, into that emotion. And that's what the audience, so that's what I walk away from remembering and feeling, but it's it, it, tying that back to where we started with your educational journey. It is just kind of interesting that so you go off to school to study economics and, and speech. You fail out of both of them, yet you've been in uh, a, a very successful entrepreneur, been your own boss, ta- self-taught in terms of being a great public speaker. Tell, tell us, a, you know, tease out that journey. I mean, it's just so you are passionate about it from day one. And you just h- how did you on that pathway over the last 20 how many years is it? 20 years? 25 years? So I started my my first, I mean, as far as my entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. So my first entrepreneurship was cutting wood. Mm-hmm. And I used to cut, if people on here are listening and they've ever cut wood, you cut ricks and you cut cords. Mm-hmm. A rick is a four foot by eight foot bit of wood and a cord is 16 foot by four foot. So I would cut hedge wood, if anybody knows what hedge is. It's a really hard wood. It pops a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started that journey, and then I, I did that, and then I started a lawn care company, like many people do, mm-hmm. you know, that want enter into entrepreneurship. Uh, cutting grass is a great way to enter. Oh, yeah. I mean, you learn how to, how to get business, how to, you know, payroll, taxes, all that kind of stuff. And um, um, it would be my senior year in high school, and my teacher said, Cody, you weren't meant for school. She said, you're really not very good at school. And she was my friend. I mean, I liked her. She was my high school counselor. She was my neighbor even. And she said, Cody, I like you. Like, I like hanging out with you. I want you in class. But you're just not the educated type person. But she said, you do really good in VOAG and you do really good in Woods and there's a place in town hiring called Heston Concrete. So I ended up going to work for Heston Concrete and I did what they called CVEP, which was you go to school half day and go to work half the day. Mm-hmm. So I got up at 7 a.m. in the morning. I poured concrete till 11 and then I went to school from 11 to 3 and then I played football and basketball and, mm-hmm. and tennis. And so right after that, all my friends are going to college. I'm like, I'm going to go to college with them, you know, and I really went to college. I actually stayed. To be honest, I stayed at K-State for two years just to make sure I got the experience. <laughs> okay. So you, you were like, uh, uh, there's a, isn't there a movie about that? Like someone who like go, goes to college and just hangs out and like doesn't go to class. You just go to all the parties. So <laughs> that was, that, was that you? That was it. I mean, I, yes, I was preparing for the next party. Okay. So everybody else went to school while I was preparing. Okay. But anyways, I ended up, I ended up coming back and I, uh, because I knew, I knew concrete, I ended up coming back and starting a concrete company. And that was kind of the, the beginning of more of a higher level entrepreneurial journey. And that was, I would have been 21 at that time. So I started that and then we ended up going from that into, it was a crazy story. I had a, there was a guy named Meadowlark Lemon. And I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Meadowlark Lemon. He was on the Harlem Globetrotters. For people my age, Bob, I'm 39. And my age, they remember Scooby-Doo. And on Scooby-Doo, the Harlem Globetrotters used to, Beyond Scooby Doo, I remember that, yeah. And Metal Lark Lemon was one of the guys that was on Scooby Doo with the Harlem Globetrotters. 
So I had a friend who told me that he's coming in town and bringing some local business people together to invest. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, this is going to be my chance to become even a bigger entrepreneur and go big for something. And mm-hmm. so that started a journey of getting into the arena football and starting buying into arena football teams. And so we ended up buying uh, the Tennessee Thundercats in Knoxville, Tennessee. They played, it. Uh, so this would have been, man, I'm 39, so this would have been 17 years ago, something like that. Yeah, what years? Because I was at I was at Tennessee in Knoxville, Tennessee, from '93 to '98. Were you? Were those the years that you? No, were it would have been. Not, it would have been 2000. Okay. Is when that so started. you bought it right after I left. I bought it right after you left because they said, "Man, everybody's going to Tennessee games." Mm-hmm. So can you imagine what's going to happen with the arena football team mm-hmm. in Knoxville? And that was a good learning experience, as I gave uh, as Meadowlark Lemon's uh, son, then ended up running that business. Did it not transition from, because I mean, it, back in the day, you know, that those were right after Peyton Manning left, right? We were top 10 program. We won the national championship in 98. So that's, it is a football town at that time. Did it transition? I mean, you were, it was a parallel business right there in Knoxville. So did, did that, did those numbers from Neyland Stadium transition into arena football? Well, I'd say they did. We actually won the national championship in arena football our first year against the Omaha Beef. Did you? So it was a okay, it was an so amazing instant year. Instant success. Instant success on the football field. Okay. In the financial side, I learned a valuable lesson. Okay, I want to hear this. What's this lesson? Well, I think that I think the lesson for me is don't ever don't ever spend time or invest your money into something you're not going to pay attention to. I we invested hoping that ever somebody's paying attention, and we basically found out that no one was really paying attention to the bottom line. And so we took that and we took the, um, after our second year, I so believe. So you're a passive investor in this. I was a passive investor. I mean, I was, I tried to pretend, I mean, I was 20, 22. So I was mm-hmm. taking my buddies to mm-hmm. the national championship, sitting in nice seats and yeah. pretending like we were like, uh, I don't know, that Al guy or whatever from the Raiders. Al, Al Davis. Al yeah. Davis, you know, I mean. Those were probably the visions I had. Um, but I ended up, um, after a couple of years of that, that, that one wasn't making, finan- wasn't making very much money, so we thought we would bring it to Kansas, and then we started two arena football teams, one in Wichita and one in Topeka, Kansas. So we actually had three arena football teams and then ended up buying the league, the IPFL, Indoor Professional Football League, after that, and there's 12 of us involved in that. So I went from that, I had that, and um, then triple construction lifestyle, I went into real estate mm-hmm. and uh, started buying duplexes with you know my brother-in-law and I bought some duplexes. I personally bought some duplexes. And then uh, a leasing company called Coda Leasing. It was brilliant, Cody and Tara nice. leasing. So we had that, and I think we leased 46, 23 full duplexes, 46 units. Mm-hmm. It's just been a crazy journey. And I mean, that was kind of the beginning ones. I can't even remember all of them, but right. that was so the you, first you started off like it sounds like with the, with the sweat equity, right? The muscle, the, the muscle entrepreneur getting out there. It's like, I'm going to be the guy cutting the wood, mowing the yard, laying the concrete, and then slowly started getting into passive investments, being an entrepreneur in the investment side and then into real estate. And so Somewhere along the way, you're either reading books or someone's mentoring you about, it would appear, the value of leverage and how it, you can be a one-man show or you somehow if you're wanting to scale up, you're going to have to leverage a little better, right? How, how did you transition? Because, I mean, it's obviously a big transition from where you started to where you are today. Well, I, I think that I was blessed. I mean, if, if I had anything, I grew up pretty poor. I grew up in a pretty poor family for a lot of years until I was probably in high school. But when I was seven, I'd been seven or eight. I think I would have been eight actually. My dad started an entrepreneurial journey, mm-hmm. and with his entrepreneurial journey, took a lot of self education. And he'd start listening to audios. Back then, it was tapes. Mm-hmm. Tell you how poor we were. I was eight years old, and my dad said, "If you want to play baseball, you got to pay for it." And I go and play, I think I made it, maybe paid 15 bucks mm-hmm. or something like that. And I don't even know how I made the money to get there. But then at, uh, they got the, I go to the coach, he says, well, the first game, everybody has to have a cup. 
So I'm eight years old. I had just spent my $15 to be on the team. Was that a 16 ounce, eight ounce? <laughs> oh, no, you're ta- not talking of drinking. 36 yeah, no. ounce. Oh, you're, not, you're not talking a drinking no. cup. You're talking about yes. a okay, cup. Yeah. Gotcha, sports cup. Yeah, right, yeah. Just, okay. Right. It was, a, it was yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just make clear. <laughs> Your Cody's blushing. I'm just clarifying. 49.1 ounce. <laughs> Okay. All right. So you had to get, you had to have a cup and you, uh, you had to go get it. No. So what happened, I didn't have any money, but so I used my dad's, uh, the, uh used to be on cassette tapes. They would have plastic covers. Okay. It was, be, it was almost like a glass. They would bust real easy. And I put it there. <laughs> you took a, you took I, a, a cassette tape and put it down your I, pants as your cup. That was my cup. Cause our coach would then come by and he'd say, he'd make us all knock. Oh and my so god. I was using my dad. <laughs> you could not do tapes. this. Can you imagine doing this today? Some guy going down the line and like, I gotta knock. This there's no this is the stuff that happened like twenty years ago right. that you could never do today. Right. He had to hear it. It had you know, it had to echo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I gotta, I gotta knock. Uh, I can't even imagine this. All right, so and, and he would hit your a side story, side story, but yeah. he would hit your, um, your cup and it was a cassette tape and he'd feel, he'd, yeah, he'd okay. hear it. Right. So anyways, it was the beginning. My dad started an entrepreneurial journey when I was, I think I was eight years old and he'd listen to audios and read books and stuff like that. And I would listen to them, even though I didn't want to listen. I'd always try to tell my yeah. dad, almost to the radio, turn yeah. on the radio, dad, turn on the TV. And he never would because when he decided to be an entrepreneurial, he was fully committed. Yep. He was in a spot where he didn't have a choice. And so I would, li- I would, in the background, I would hear it all the time. And so it always stayed with me. You know, as you, as you get older, you rebel for a while. Yeah. And then you end up turning back to the ways in oh, which yeah. you were taught. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so that's what I did. I ended up being, you know, I was probably 25 years old. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to start going after that residual income at that age because of the audios and the books that I had heard my dad listen to. So it's interesting. I, I literally just heard uh, a podcast recently. It was Tim Ferriss was interviewing uh, Seth Godin. You're familiar with Seth Godin? Oh yeah. So, and it, Tim was asking Seth, uh, all the successes that you've had, you've written all these, you know, New York Times bestselling books. I mean, you're a highly sought after speaker. I mean, where did you get your start? Where'd you get your journey? And he recounts becoming friends with Zig Ziglar. And he says, and he, t- he takes a moment to pause. It's like this pregnant pause on the podcast. He said, guys, anyone who's listening, and he lists two Zig Ziglar audio series. He said, you have to go out and get this. It's the number one thing that changed my thinking and helped me change the way I view the world. It's the best. And then he goes, they're old cassette tapes. And he talks about his friendship with Zig Ziglar. So I would wow. imagine that with, with knowing your dad, knowing the educational background that you're, you, you probably have listened to the exact same Zig Ziglar. For tape, sure. Right? Yeah. Zig Ziglar, Les Brown, Paul Zane Pilzer, Stephen Covey, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. And then a lot of specific for his industry as well. So you drop out of college. You have a, a teacher that says you're you're not. Did she say you're you're not made for education? Is that did I hear you? My high school teacher said. My high school counselor said you're not meant for that. You're she. Her exact words were you're a horrible student, but I like you. Right. That was really what she said. And so you get you you drop out of the formal education. Yeah. And you move into self education, and Bet. you're you're leveraging all the stuff that you saw your dad doing. Right. All the various audios and so forth. The same thing that Stephen or not Stephen Covey, but Seth Godin was talking about reading all sorts of books. I mean, one, one of the things I'm impressed with you is that you are a, a voracious reader. I mean, anytime that you and I are getting together, you're, you're saying, you're letting me know, Hey, I'm reading this. This is a book, Bob, that I, I'm really enjoying. And you'll ask me, Hey, what are you reading? You're, you're very interested in staying up to date and, you bet. and gleaning that. So how, how I guess, Tell us a little bit about your, your that educational journey. So outside of that stuff that you were getting from your dad, your dad was putting those tapes in the car. You're listening to that. You bet. And what's, what, how, how, what's the, the rest of the story? Well, I never really liked self. I mean, to, I'll just be honest. I wasn't a reader. I didn't I didn't even really like self-education. I was I somewhat rebelled from it because I'd hear it all in the, in the house, and I wanted to watch stinking TV, you know? 
Scooby Doo. I wanted to watch Scooby Doo and listen to the radio, and he was doing those, you know, listening to Zig Ziglar audios and all that. So I, I was probably, I was probably, you know, probably 23, 24 before I started to read, and I, mm. I wasn't a proficient reader at the beginning. I would maybe read a book every four months, maybe, and I would be bored to death with it. Mm-hmm. But once I I got to the point where I I really had a passion to become better and a passion to serve and a passion for a greater purpose. Then I started realizing how important reading was Mm -hmm. and I would, I would grab anything I could to get, to get better, you know? So, and I think having kids help that out, Mm -hmm. you know, with my walk with my, with faith and Mm -hmm. has been a very, I guess I kind of started with faith books, to be Mm -hmm. honest, I was searching and, that just that love that love of finding about about my faith and end up turning to books of all kinds of stuff, right? All mm-hmm. I mean now from economics to personal development to finance to mm-hmm. economics, all those kind of things. One of the things that I found in my journey, I remember back it was a I was in the military. I was catching a flight from stateside over to Germany for a TDY. I was going through. What does TDY mean? It's a temporary duty assignment. Okay, so, and. I was going to be over there for a few weeks and I remember walking through the airport, I believe it was in Atlanta and I was in one of those like little book kiosks. I'm just like, I got to find something that I'm going to read while I'm on, on this you know, long flight. And I happened to see a book that triggered my interest. It was uh, the, the title of it skunk works, right? It's the, the making of the, the stealth fighter Wow! and how it was super, super top secret. And I remember pulling that thing off. I'm like, eh, I'll give it a, I'll give it a go. And I got on the plane and I could not put that book down. It just absolutely captivated me. And it was, it was something that I was living at the moment, right? So I'm an Air Force officer and I find myself in these pages, um, you know, out in California, Lockheed Martin. And it just, I, I, I'm reading all this. And these are the things that I'm experiencing. And so it, it just triggered a deep desire for me. Like, man, this is unbelievable. And I started, just started, I, so I started cherry picking just books that I was interested in. And then slowly over time that that appetite for, you know, continuous education, continuous knowledge, you know, that's how I stirred it in myself. So I didn't necessarily pick out a business book. I mean, sometimes if someone hands me a book that I'm really not interested in, where it's not going to be applicable, I'm just like, ah. And that happens all the time, doesn't yeah, it? Like, ah, I don't have, you know, but when you're, when you are, um, when you find yourself wrapped in those pages, when you find it, that's something that you're interested in or something even more important than this, that you're going to be able to leverage in your life to make you a better leader, a better husband, a better father, a better, you know, person within your community. Uh, it's, it, it's an intoxicating environment once you get that triggered the right way. You bet. And so I, for those are that, that are listening, they're like, yeah, I just, I'm not, I'm not a reader. Just, you know, I cannot believe how many people I meet in life and I'll ask them, Hey, what are you reading? Oh, I don't read. Or when's the last time you read a book? You know, most Americans, I forget the actual statistic, but it's a pretty high statistic. There's a lot of Americans that after they leave high school, never pick up a book and read another book again in their life. And I was shocked when I heard that. I'm like, so, because that is such an, an important part of my life. I know that you it's bet. a huge, important part of your life. I've never met somebody that I would consider extremely successful that as you kind of peel back the layers of the onion and you start to ask questions, say, hey, tell me a little bit about your life. Tell me what you do, where you don't discover that that person is a voracious reader. Right. I think it's a critical skill set. I mean, so for you on your journey, you know, I noticed that that's something I just want to tease that out for the audience that form, you didn't go the formal education route, You're right. but you went the self-education route and reading was a very important component. And I, you know, you, you have recommended a whole slew of great books to me that I've I've really, really enjoyed that's impacted my life. So I just want to say thank you. Yeah, you bet. And I, I think that for, as far as me, and you've done the same for me. I mean, the, the last book that you had recommended for me about, uh, not the last book, but one of the last ones was uh, about uh, to, about the Captain book that you had recommended. Mm-hmm. What a great game changer book for me. It just came to me at the exact right time, mm-hmm. exactly what I needed to hear. And so I appreciate that as well. And I, th- I think that this, that sometimes reading is not just for learning either. Reading is, for, I think, for mental health. To, oh, that's interesting. Tell me about what you, how you see well, that. Just, you know, it's so easy to see 
to get caught up in your own funk, mm-hmm. right? And by reading, you can you're actually living through somebody else's funk mm-hmm. a lot of times, and it gives you perspective. And so I think reading, if I ever get in a spot where I'm down in the dumps or I'm wondering how to get through something or I get a little, I'm a little anxious about mm-hmm. it, I grab a book and um, I think through processes, try to think through it the way they think through it in that book. And it really has been mentally helpful yeah. in my mental health. That's really interesting. Now that I think about it, you're exactly, there's been multiple times where I have found myself in one of those funks where you're just like, ah, oh, just things don't seem to be working the way you want it to work. And then you pick up the right book and you just get supercharged and energized. It's almost like taking a wire brush to your mind, right? right. Where you're taking, where you just, you just brush off that rust, right? You take a wire brush to an old rusty tool and you can kind of polish it up. And I think reading can very much be like that. You bet. So what are you reading right now? Speaking of reading. Yeah, I th- I'm reading right now. The uh, there's a new book out from John Maxwell called The Power of Five. Oh, I've got that too. That's awesome. And I'm I'm most of the way through that book. Um, I'm also reading, probably for my fifth or sixth time, um, how to have confidence and power in dealing with people. Um, so I got those two books. Why, why are you reading? You've read that thing five to- five or six times. Why are you reading that again? Well, I. I am going through it with a book study with some of our up and coming leaders in our company. Okay. And I knew the impact it had on me then. And I also know when you have a new frame on where you're at, that you want to, I like to take old information to even my new frame. Mm -hmm. And so what I did is I, instead of grabbing the same book I've read, I went ahead and left that book on the shelf and I grabbed a new book and I just wanted to see it through the lens. I have it today. And then I've looked back at how I looked at it when I read it five years ago, seven years ago, nine years ago. And so I'm gleaning things today that I never got out of it You're five different, years ago. Different life stage, right? Yeah. Today, you know, today I'd be more ready to be a captain and be in leadership. And then I was looking at it from kind of a, a more of a backseat. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I enjoy doing, I, I've shared with friends that, you know, if outside of taking my family out of the house, right? So if I, my, if my home was burning, and I had to rescue one thing. All my family's gone. The most valuable asset in my home is my library. Wow. And one of the things that, because the thing that I can't replace is every single book that I have in my home, I can remember where I was when I bought it. I can remember the, where the point of my life where I was. There's a, lot of, a lot of them were, you know, when I was on a vacation or on a trip or, you know, these were books I read when I was in my 20s. Here's my 30s. But I, I, I am a an individual that has to take notes within the margin. So every single one of those books is highlighted in notes all throughout. One of my favorite totally. things to do is I can, I'll be, maybe I might be home one time working from uh, my home office, might be on a board meeting or a board call and some, something will trigger. And I'm like, Oh, I remember reading about a particular case study or this, this principle has application right now. And I can run out into my library I can pull that book off and I can thumb through the pages and I can open up to that, that spot and see notes that I've jotted in the margin. And it's, I, I actually, there'll be times like on a Friday night, this, this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> but th- there will be times like on, on a Friday night or on a weekend, I don't want to go watch a movie. I don't want to go out. I'll, I like to just like in the house, just pull off books and just review, just start thumbing through because it helps me. I can see like notes that I wrote when I was a young officer, right? In the air force in the wow. margins or, you know, Hey, my, my fir- one of my first jobs out of the air force and in, in, in the private sector, I like, I like to go back and see those types of things. Do you do something like that? Similar? Are you, are you a note taker? Are you able to, do you have a, a vast library at your house where you'll pull stuff off and re- and how do you use your, the books that you have within uh, your library? Yeah, well, I tear up books. You don't ever want a book after me. I saw that book, the Captain Class you have. I mean, that thing that looks like it went through Vietnam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't have any re- respect for uh, keeping a book in proper order. I want to, I mean, even my Bible, you go read my Bible and the whole thing's written all over. And a lot of it's like, Cody, 
you suck at this. No, you, well, you have you have you have to go to your house and show people what that Captain Class book looks like because I think you told me you. I was like, what in the world happened to this thing? And I think that you said that you were had been reading it while you were in the hot tub. Yeah, I re- I read it, in the hot tub every morning. It looks like a worn out, soggy uh, <laughs> um, sponge. <laughs> Yeah, every morning. That's my ritual. I, if I don't get into a ritual, I won't read. Uh-huh. So I have to ritualize my... So I get up in the morning. I grab a cup of Thrive Coffee. I uh, I go into my bathroom. I have a hot tub in the corner. I sit in that hot tub. I turn it on. Got a little bubbles going on. A little Barry Man. No, not, not Barry Man. <laughs> but I go in there and I read for about an hour. So that's how I start my day every day. Read for an hour in a hot tub. I like yeah. it. You put you, what you need to do is put you put Epsom salts in there. So my wife, my wife has she puts essential oils in Epsom salts because the Epsom salts makes your skin super smooth. Oh yes, yes, very smooth. Yes, I'm from Kansas and I'm a farm kid, and so I'm a little embarrassed to share it, but I do do it. Okay, yeah. Because if you have like a really bad, like I, I will do it for like a sore back or sore muscles. Right. But when I, I, I notice that the residual. But you go impact, to an Ivy League college. But the, so no, you no, go to no, Harvard. No, so no, it's, no. it's a lot different than. <laughs> yeah, than, we, we, we soak in Epsom soap. Every day is cardigans and Epsom salt. <laughs> Uh, no, Ixnay on the Epsom salts. Okay, just the um, yeah, cardigans. Yeah, that's just the cardigans. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, okay. Speaking of, let's let's do a hard pivot off, okay. <laughs> off of the Epsom salts. What what what, what periodicals? Do you, are there any periodicals or any like newspapers or journals or, or is it just you know books? Is there anything else that you? Yeah, YouTube. Really, YouTube's a huge part of my. Um, so it's not. I pr- at nights when I YouTube. So okay. the morning I read, at night I'll YouTube. Um, if I can't sleep or I would bet three nights a week, I stay up for two hours after. I mean, we have five kids. So mm-hmm. I put them to bed and I get on YouTube and I will watch either something in the political realm, uh, maybe a Ben Shapiro. Mm-hmm. I watch Ben Shapiro quite often. Patterson. There's a, just a lot of people that I'll go listen to. TED Talks? You like that? I do, I do go to TED Talks some. Okay. Uh, sometimes they're not. I, I kind of like the the debate mm-hmm. format. Oh, you like the okay. So uh, I listen to. So I might even do something on theology about baptism or mm-hmm. whatever, and I'll watch. I'll watch baptism debate, and I'll watch a two hour long. I don't know if I've ever met anybody who said that they liked it late at night. They want to go and watch, listen yeah. to a podcast or a, a, a video on baptism debate. So yeah. you like to see point counterpoint. Yeah. Hear how people are arguing their position on. A whole host of random subjects. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's, I I mean, I was just, I sent you one the other night after I got done doing it with Kobe Bryant was being interviewed. Yep. And um, I think it's valuetainment, I think is what it was, a YouTube. And so that's, that's what I, that's kind of how I get my info. And then I do sometimes read the Wichita Business Journal, but I wouldn't say I'm an avid periodicals reader. Okay. Mostly videos and books. Okay. When was the last time you cried? I cry quite often. Do you? Oh yeah, I don't. Do you find it cathartic? Um, I don't know what cathartic means. So you're is, is, is it a, is it is it a release? Is it you you find? I know some people that feel like they need to do it on a regular basis as just kind of like part of a healthy release. I but, don't think but, I think it, of it that uh, way. Okay, so tell me about it. I think I'm just I'm just a passionate I'm just passionate about some things, and I try to keep myself in those things I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so I'm passionate about helping boys become men. And I'm passionate about, you know, my faith. I'm passionate about my entrepreneurial journey. And I don't, I think that I, everything I. I so you cry about the things that you're passionate about? Oh, I do. I wear every, I, mm-hmm. I, I sometimes wear it on my sleeve, you know, mm-hmm. and it can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing, but I try not to numb it because when you numb the pain, you numb the joy. And oh, so I love that. I just. I, that's why I'm not worried about it, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll cry, yeah. so whatever. If you don't like it, I'll punch you. Well, you know, and, and, well, I, and I, I know you will. I've got. It's actually one of the stories I want to bring up because you you, you did knock somebody out in your, earlier in your career. So you, you, you're 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 very sensitive. You're a sensitive guy. But <laughs> if somebody says something bad about your sister, you'll walk into a bar and cold clock them and knock them out. Which I love that about you. Yeah, that's that. That's a true statement, right? That yeah. happened. Yep. Yep. I, so, I, I they. 
charged me with the battery, but I only got a misdemeanor. That's good. Because the judge said, you mean he actually hit you? And I said, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Good judge on you. felt bad for, you know, he didn't even want to give me a misdemeanor, but right. it wasn't my fault. Well, sometimes you got to do the right thing. Yeah, I'd do it again. That's right. So um, let's go back to your, the, the, your sensitive side. So we got, so now that everybody Let's knows turn that it, turn down the light now, now that everybody knows that, you know, Cody is the prototypical, um, you know, tough Kansas guy. Right. But I, I like the fact that, that you are secure enough to wear your emotions on your sleeve and allow people to see it. I think one of the things that I appreciate about people who uh, live life like that, I think life is better when you're able to, enjoy it in the extremes and there's certain there, there's a certain type of people person that doesn't want to show any emotion any highs any lows it's just kind of like r- right down the middle and it, I, I don't know how to live life that way because the l- life is a series of ups and downs it's you know as i'm a father of six i've lived long enough now to experience you know the highest of highs. And I've also experienced some of the lowest of lows. And it's, I like to be around people where I feel like I can be myself and open up and, you know, share those emotions and the things that I'm going through. And I think it's a a healthy way to live life. And so that's something that I I appreciate about you when you say, Hey, look, this is who I am. And there's been times in my life where I was like, you know what, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have a conversation on this. I'm not going to share this with uh, friends because it, it might be a little bit emotional but then when I do it, it's an empowering experience and I think it's it, it, it also opens you up I think when, when, you, when you live life that way when you're transparent and you're able to talk about the things that you're going through uh, and be honest with people uh, it's it's a something that enables you to connect and that's one of the things I would say about you that I that I've noticed about you is that you are an incredible connector you, it, it was interesting for me that you were reading that book again, you know, how to uh, have power and influence and in dealing with people. What was the title? Out of confidence uh, and power, power to deal with people. people. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I think that you're a natural connector and you, I was like, that, that's not an area that I, I see that you need, you know, you know, help in, but you're going back to the well to get stronger and to get better. And do you think that your, your ability to lead a large team and to connect with a lot of people is somewhat tied to your, you, you said earlier that you wear your emotions on your sleeve and that you're, you allow your emotions to be seen. Do you think that that helps? I don't know. I mean, I think that there could be a downside to that because, I mean, you watch people that have, they go through this emotional roller coaster and people don't know who they are one day from the next. Oh yeah, that's the, the extremes, like up and down, up and, up and yeah. down, and and I think that the, that roller coaster, no one wants to go on your roller coaster, mm-hmm. right? But I think it's good when, you know, one of the things I can't help, but when somebody's hurting, hurt for them. Mm-hmm. I just can't. I just I don't know how, mm-hmm. and that's why I, I try not to numb that. And so I think as a leader, I think that putting yourself, and I Bob, I've watched you do this multiple times. You put yourself in their position and you think through it from their position. And I think that has been an asset in my entrepreneurial journey is because I think about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just because just being able of, to connect with people, just being able to feel what they're feeling at the mm-hmm. time and thinking about it and then thinking, you know, thinking about how they're probably processing it and somewhat feeling at the same time they do. So would you say that empathy as an entrepreneur is a, key skill or a superpower in some respects? Yeah. I, I think if there's that, that's, that's one area that, um, that can develop a, a leader, a leader that will have stickability inside mm-hmm. their business or in, you know, inside their family even. Okay. So. Let me give you a couple of rapid fire questions. Okay. What, is an exotic place that's on your bucket list to go that you some place that you want to go that you haven't been you know i'd like to go to the bvi i've i've i'd like to go get in a boat and i'd like to go to all the different islands i actually told tara i said i'd love to rent a yacht now i'm a control freak like mm-hmm. 
And I also, I'm not one of those guys that likes to sit in the back. Don't stick me in a limo in the back when some punk's up up there driving that Mm -hmm. doesn't know how to drive. Mm -hmm. I want to be driving. I want to, you know, so I want to rent a a yacht um, in the BVI, and I want to go from island to island trying new drinks, new food at all the different Mm -hmm. islands. And that's something I've never done. We've been to Hawaii a bunch of times and a lot of different, and I love Hawaii too. But that's one that, that's a bucket list one. Mm. You know, that's probably number one. I think that one. one's going to happen real soon. Yes. That's <laughs> no doubt. What's one of your favorite places to go? The lake. The lake? Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I am love to fish. Um, I love to, I love to, you know, I, I'm a wakeboarder. Even mm-hmm. though I'm 39, I like to wakeboard. You haven't blown out any knees yet? I've never blown out any knees, you know. But I love to wakeboard. I love to tube. I love to pull the kids. When I'm at a lake, man, everything's going to be all right, right? That's good. <laughs> Most important skill for an entrepreneur. You've been an entrepreneur for many yeah. years, been in business, many different businesses. You've seen a lot of different things. If you're someone who's listening, what's the number one skill, Cody, that I need to have to be a, a successful entrepreneur? What is it? You know, I tweeted this the other day, and I think it's the beginning of everything. It's you've got to do it scared before you do it skilled. And that's... Oh, I love that. You have to do it scared first. And you got to be willing to take the leap and do it scared. You got to be a, you got to be. So I, when I started my last entrepreneurial journey that I this, this I wanted to create my masterpiece in, and that's developing teams of people, I would sweat profusely and I would be, I would have to sit five, six houses away because I was going to go meet somebody to do a presentation. I'd have to six, sit five or six houses away and pray and I'd sweat and I'd have anxiety, and I'd start hyperventilating, and then I'd finally take a right breath, and I'd walk five or six houses, because I, you know, a little physical exercise yeah. creates mental, um, some mental clarity too, and some mental health as well. For sure. So I'd walk five or six houses into their, five or six houses around into their house, and so I think, I think you've got to be willing to do it scared for as long as it takes until you can do it skilled. Mm-hmm. That is a great quote. I love it. Yeah. What are some of your pet peeves? I think so, some of my pet peeves is 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 entrepreneurs or leadership people who who've never really been on the journey, so they give a lot of things that aren't actually accurate. So one of my biggest pet peeves is when I hear somebody in leadership say. If you follow your passion, you'll never have to work another day in your life. That's such a bull crap thing because you're always going to have things you don't want to do. That it's not lilies and and butterflies just because it's your passion, right? Right. Right. You have your purpose and your passion. You create a platform that serves your purpose and your passion, but it's still, there's going to be days where it just sucks. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big pet peeve of mine when I hear that because, uh, I just know that anybody who's ever been through it yeah. knows that it's, you're still working. Yeah, you're right? still working for sure. Even fishing stinks after a while for a little bit. And, you know, I, I may have used that quote in one of my books. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just full transparency, but I agree. I agree with you. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, though? I, I'm not I totally. And I understand what you mean yeah. by that if you've said it. So I'm just. <laughs> No, it's all right. You're calling. You're calling <laughs> me out. <laughs> no, no, but I, a hundred percent. Like I absolutely love what I do. You bet. And I am passionate about what I do. But guess what? There are days that I wake up and I'm like, you know what? I've got to do X, Y, and Z today, and I do not want to do it. Totally. This is. I got to have this conversation with this person. Don't want to do it. This is going to be stressful. I've got to go to this board meeting. That's going to be. There's just days like you know. It's not always sunshine flowers unicorns rainbows i mean you just you gotta sometimes just wade through the swamp and just get stuff done when it sucks and i for me as for an entrepreneur i think that's one of the things that um people who are tied to a desk in a nine-to-five job there's ways in which you can go into that job and somewhat hide out punch the time clock and waste some time and you as an entrepreneur, you can't do no that. Way. Yeah. There, there is no off day. You've got to be on twenty four seven. You've got to be out there swinging. Totally, and you're always doing what somebody else is scared to do. Mm-hmm. Right, as a serial entrepreneur, you always find out the areas that everybody else is scared to do, and you've got to be the one that mm-hmm. does it. Yeah. So, 
it's so it's not always a like you said rainbows and unicorns rainbows and unicorns but for those if you do it and you train yourself to do it and you know so one of the things that i share with the staff uh say look guys the conversation that you know needs to be had or that you need to have with somebody, but you're afraid to do it. And it's the thing that is the most, the most scary. That's the one you've got to go have right now. Get it off. You know, it's almost like uh, you're waking up in the morning and taking a look at your to do list for the day and saying, okay, what's the thing that I don't want to do? Just knock it out. That way, that way you don't have to worry about it. It's not dangling over your head for the rest of the day and you're just, you're loathing it. So you just hit those problems head on. So I don't know. That's you bet. Some of the things that I I, I try to focus in on on my day. Um, any any lifestyle hacks or entrepreneur hacks? Things that you've learned along the way to help you on your journey? You know, I don't I I don't know if I'm if I have found any crazy amount of hacks. Um, I have been I have been thinking about a thing that's kind of a a hack mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of a it's kind of not a hack but mm-hmm. it's a hack mm-hmm. but i've been been watching all these things about uh top gun you know the new top guns coming yeah. out have you seen that i've i've watched the trailer like probably a dozen times i have to yeah. i i watch it so that's one of the things on youtube right yeah, yeah. If, I, if i'm on there or whatever and i saw i i go down in 2020 i think it's the summer of next year it's mm-hmm. coming out and I was thinking about, so this, this is 34 years down the road. And I was, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about this at night. And that's when I do, a, so I read in the morning, I learn their information mm-hmm. from the book and I write yep. and I think about it. And at night, if I'm watching something, I'm watching it, but a lot of times I'm just writing. And mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about, I'm processing what they're saying and trying to formulate whether I, you know, whether I agree with it, what my, what my thoughts are on it. And, um, and sometimes I'll even think about it and I'll ask you a question about that or Alice, somebody mm. else that I mentor with a question about that. But I got to thinking about 34 years later, why are we watching a movie 34 years later? And I think we're watching that movie 34 years later that we can't wait to watch. Like I am so stinking excited. Mm. I hate movies to be honest. I don't like movies. Like I, I like Dumb and Dumber and Billy Madison, right? <laughs> so Okay. You've just... You've told us all we need to know about- <laughs> exactly <laughs> about my thinking, but the reason why I want to watch it and the reason why I think people want to watch it is because Maverick reengaged. And I don't know if you remember the end of that movie. Uh, you know, Goose had died, and and Maverick's got this new guy, and they're at this this dog fight at mm-hmm. the end, and they're fighting him. And Iceman, I believe, is his name, and he's in the middle of this. And I haven't watched the movie for fifteen years. I'm just trying to recollect, mm-hmm. but but. Iceman's going and then Maverick's supposed to come in and help him out. And he, they're saying, where's ice? Where's Iceman at? So they called back in and that bald guy that I think's back on the movie again, he's sitting there at, and they're, they're saying, is there anybody else that can go up there? And he said, we can't get anybody up there for 10 minutes. It's going to be all over it's in 10 gonna, minutes. It's going to be all over in 10 minutes. Remember that? And he says, so all of a sudden uh, Maverick takes off and they're like, he breaks away, He breaks away. And they're like, Maverick, engage, engage, engage. And, um, he sits there and he drives off and, and then he starts looking down at his, his dog tag with goose on and he starts processing the past Mm -hmm. and he ends up using it to propel his future and he re-engages. And I think the only hack I have, the only hack I have is that when I disengage, I put things in my life that help me re-engage faster than the average person. Mm. And so that's why mentorship, I don't ever leave mentorship because it force feeds a re-engagement. When I listen to audios or do books or, or even get with the team Mm -hmm. and I make commitments, set plans, those are force feeding the re-engagement. And I think really the world wants to see somebody re-engage right so i think that might be a hack i absolutely love it it's probably a great way to close out you know because life just there there's an a natural atrophy in life you bet right where if, if you're not putting 
fuel in the engine, if you're not engaging and just, and you're just letting life happen, there's this natural atrophy where you'll just kind of slowly, you just lose that momentum. And so you, I love how you've phrased that where you are figuring out trigger points to force yourself to re-engage on a daily basis. It's like you're jamming that fuel in that jet engine to keep it fired up. You bet. I love it. Yeah. Cody, it was awesome to spend some time with you tonight. Me too. Me uh, it, too. it is what about 12:30 here. 12 12 20. <laughs> it's been a it's been a long day for me, a long day for you, but yeah. I did not want you flying out of here this weekend without uh, me getting a chance to sit down just kind of pick your brain, hear how you're thinking, hear how you process, get a little bit of your life story, you know, uh, out there for everyone to hear. Uh, it's been a huge encouragement for me, and I certainly hope it has been a huge encouragement. I know it's been a huge encouragement for those that are listening to the podcast. So I want you to come back on in the future, and let's do do round two. We want to. <laughs> I want to hear a little more about the bar fight because I know that you know there's more to it. There's yes. a lot more to it. Now we got to tease out some winning principles <laughs> there. You know, a good, good, a good boxing here. Yeah, and make the, sure they're not, they're not looking. That's yes. right. Yeah. Okay. Hey, th- that's the key thing. You got to land the first punch. That always totally. helps. Totally. totally. All right. Well, for those of you who are listening at home, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Leap. Uh, Our guest this evening, late this evening and into the early hours of the morning has been Cody Newton here out of Wichita, Kansas, a serial entrepreneur, a person who said, you know what? I don't need this college degree. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to chart my own course. I'm going to do it myself. I've got great mentors and I'm going to be self-taught, has had massive success uh, he's a great friend of mine, someone that I learn from every single time I am around. And I certainly hope that you enjoyed this podcast. So for those of you who would like to have somebody on the show, uh, if there's somebody that you'd like me to interview, don't feel afraid to send us an email and we will do our best to get them on the show. And we look forward to hearing from you and we will be in touch in the next podcast. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Taking the Leap podcast with your host, Bob Dickey. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at www.takingtheleappodcast.com and bonvera.rocks. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Taking the Leap.